Happy post-Thanksgiving recovery week. How does that work? Who's running along with me tomorrow morning? Yeah, it's just guilt and shame running. And Hey, a huge shout out to those of you joining with us and worshiping with us online as well. Mary in North Carolina, love you, glad that you're with us. Uh, to my family in Canada, hey, and um, to the house churches in Afghanistan who are worshiping along with us. Absolutely. We have prayed for you. We continue to pray for you. We are so glad that you are able to join us online. Uh, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you leaped for joy. Okay, outside of that guy. I can always count on you, Levi. Yeah. There's a reason we don't do temporary tattoos around here anymore, and he's the reason. Um, it's a whole other story for a whole other service. Uh, when was the last time you leave for joy? It's not, it's not a normal expression, right? It's not a normal part of what we do as we express ourselves. Maybe you will hoop for joy, right? Or shout for joy, maybe fist pump for joy, old Tiger Woods homage, right? But, but leaping for joy is not typically a part of our repertoire, our expression, when we're happy. I mean, really, to leap for joy demands like something really big happening in your life. Like, when we see people leap for joy, it's because there's something really, really significant. Like, grown men leaping for joy because they just won the World Series, kind of big, right? Families leaping for joy because they just found out someone's expecting, kind of big. Kids leaping for joy because mom or dad has just got off the plane after a long deployment, that kind of big. But when we leap for joy, like it, it typically takes really, really, really big news. It's, it's not something that we'd normally, ordinarily do without really, really big news. Enter Jesus. Of all the reactions to the coming of the Christ child that we reflect on in Scripture, of all the reactions that we reflect on this time of year and, and commemorate and celebrate, the, the wise men with their gifts, the angels and shepherds in fields singing and rejoicing, there's, there's one reaction in the Scriptures that often goes overlooked, and it's a leap for joy at the presence of Jesus. Today, as we continue looking through the Christmas story and the reactions to this news and the, the, the gifts that are found in Jesus, we're going to look at the life of Elizabeth, her reaction, the reaction of her child in her womb. We're going to reflect on the joy that Jesus brings in a world that promises joy in this season and so many other things. We're going to find that only the presence of Jesus can be can bring true and lasting joy because only Jesus is the giver of every good gift. So turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We, we finished off last week uh, ending with uh, the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary. We pick up that story now this week in verse 39 as Mary leaves that place and goes and visits family member by the name of Elizabeth. Luke records this for us in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. If you don't, pull it up whatever device you use. We'll put it on the screen if you have neither of those things so that you can follow along in just a moment. Uh, but Luke records this for us in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Just stop there with me for a moment. Last week, again, we looked at the passage prior. Gabriel comes, he visits with Mary. He announces that God is going to give her a child. He will sit on the throne of his father, David. And they will call him Jesus. Yeshua means deliverer. So we saw this pronouncement that Jesus is the bringer of deliverance for God's people. Jesus has come to deliver us. But we also saw last week that all of this occurred, according to Luke in in verse 36, it occurred in Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy. So as we pick up the story now, it says in verse 39 that in those days, the days when the angel had visited, when all of this was being revealed, Mary arose, went with haste into the hill country, and she went to visit Elizabeth. In those days, I mean the days when she was pregnant, when Elizabeth was pregnant, and as she went into this house, as she greeted Elizabeth, the text says that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, verse 41, the baby leaped in her womb. The baby leaped in her womb. Two times in this passage, Luke comes back to that word, makes mention of the fact that the baby leaped in her womb. Leaped, later on he says, with joy. Leaped, the, the Greek word here that Luke uses is this word skirtao. Uh, skirtao, the, the Greek philosopher Philo would actually use this word writing about animals, animals who are released from their reins after having a, a rein, you know, the bit in their mouth for a long time and a long travel, a long season. When they were finally released from their reins, they would leap. He uses this word. The Old Testament uses this, this word too, this image Malachi chapter 4, it comes with the promise of a coming salvation. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Now take all of this for a moment and consider the picture that Luke is painting. Really the picture that God is painting. John is still in his mother's womb. Jesus is in Mary's womb. These are are unborn children. And at the sound of the greeting of Mary, in the ears of Elizabeth, what happens? John, in the womb, leaps, and not just moves, not just kicks, not just, oh, indigestion, get this baby out of me. No, she... She discerns and understands this is different than all of those. This was a leap of joy. John the Baptist leaps for joy at the mere presence of Jesus. Like an animal freed from its reins, like a calf freed from its stall, so too John the Baptist leaps for joy at the freedom that comes with the presence of Jesus. 
Not only that, the text goes on to say that the mere presence of Jesus, Elizabeth, is filled with the Holy Spirit, leading her to proclaim blessing over Mary. Three times she used that, blessed are you, blessed, blessed. Three times she proclaims blessing over Mary. Saying in verse 44, ultimately, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I don't know how, as a mother, you discern that kind of a leap. I don't know how she came to understand this, but the Lord led her, the Spirit prompted her to understand there was something different happening. There was a joy inside of her and inside of her womb and inside of her baby at the mere presence of Jesus. What power this is, the presence of Jesus. What, what promise this brings, the presence of Jesus. Like, a, like an animal freed from its reins. Like a calf freed from the stall. So they celebrate with joy that freedom has come in the presence of Jesus. Perhaps this is exactly why the scriptures would go on and say that this is good news of what? Great joy. The picture that Luke is painting is that God not only has heard his people, God has come to set them free. This child has come to set them free, like animals from their reins, like calves from their stalls. What good news of great joy comes with this child. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of joy before, had that inkling deep in your bones, in your womb, that kind of joy. I brushed up against that kind of joy earlier this year. After the, the spring storms had rolled through and they just kept coming, one night we're sitting there and my wife looks up and is like, what's that? And we look up on the ceiling and there's this water spot growing. And I have that experience that I've heard of other homeowners having, the, the joy of finding that your roof is leaking and the panic of rushing up into the attic trying to find it and trying to figure out how to make it stop and, and then all of the things going through your head of like how do we fix this, how do we keep it from ruining the house and then looking at the weather forecast and realizing, oh, it's going to rain all week long. Awesome. If you've never experienced the joy of a, a leak in your roof, you're in for a treat. And this, my first one, had no clue what roof repair cost, let alone what roof replacement cost. And invite a guy out, and he was really kind, and looked at it, and he was like, look, here's the deal. Like, I don't know how old your home is. I told him, he's like, oh, okay, well, your home's not that old, but your roof is really old. Like, I don't know what's going on, but your roof looks really old compared to the age of your house. I was like, well, is it damage up there? He's like, ah, maybe you could call insurance. Maybe they might find storm damage, maybe. But your roof is just old. So I started getting bids and quotes. And again, having never done this before, I was delighted to find out how inexpensive roofing is, <laughs> especially after a global pandemic. And these, these bids are coming in, $16,000, dollars $18,000. I sit my kids down, all right, who's not going to college? Because <laughs> this has to be fixed. One of you is not going to make the cut, right? And I'm panicking inside. Lord, we can't afford this. Can't afford, we're not prepared for this. I, even with what we've saved, like, this is, 
this is huge. Like, how do people do this? And I'm crying out to the Lord, like, you're going to have to provide. God, you say that you're a provider. I believe that you're a provider. You're going to have to provide. Whether through insurance or something, you're going to have to make insurance see hail damage. Like, do something, <laughs> Jesus. Finally, you know, ages, it takes them ages to come out. We're on vacation at this point, and the insurance adjuster calls me after checking out our roof, right? And of course, the time that you want to hear bad news about your roof is when you're on vacation spending money, right? Like, kids, no ice cream for you. We have a house to fix. And I get this fateful phone call one afternoon. I'll never forget where I was when I get the phone call. I'm waiting to hear word of this inspection. And the inspector calls me. He's like, well, I was like, ah. Well, looks like, after being up there, yeah, the, the roof is, it looks pretty old. Um, but there is hail damage, and so we're going to cover it 100%. What? I'll, I'll never forget where I was. We were at the in-laws. <laughs> we were at my in-laws, and I'm taking this phone call, and I'm upstairs. And all of a sudden, Jesus has answered, and the burden is lifted. I was like a kid on Christmas. I'm like, yes, Jesus is still on his throne. He still provides for his people. He still parts Red Seas, right? Like, this was amazing that they actually found something. And they're not only actually found something, they're going to cover it. They covered it, ended up covering it 100%. I walked around for hours like a kid at Christmas. Like I'd just been given the biggest gift because one of the biggest burdens had just been lifted. I felt like leaping for joy. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of burden lifted, that kind of experience where everything in a moment has shifted. Like an animal freed from its reins, like a calf freed from its stall. So John leaps for joy at the presence of the deliverer come to free God's people. This is the reason for joy that we celebrate in this season. Not because the music is finally playing on 101.9, not because the lights are finally going up in the neighborhood, not because family is coming into town. Those things are fleeting. Those things will fade. The music will stop. The lights will come down. Family will eventually leave. And some of you need to hear that promise of God. <laughs> family will eventually leave. I'm kidding. But all of those things, they're just temporary. The, the joys of the season, the traditions that we relish, they're just temporary. But there's one thing that can never be taken from us. The burden that Christ bore on his shoulders for you and for me in removing our sin can never be taken from you. You're free and you're free indeed. And it's for this reason that we celebrate that Jesus is the good gift of joy. Jesus is the living embodiment of every good gift. Here's the thing. When your hearts are rightly fixed on the provision of God through Jesus, then you find the joy that is lasting, and it lasts longer than this season. Let me just ask this question then. What is it that you're looking to for joy in this season? What is it you're looking to that will bring you joy, that will, that will make your heart full and rich and happy in this season? 
And would you fix your eyes on Jesus? Because when your eyes are fixed on God's provision of Jesus, then you find the joy that can outlast this season. But, but there's another component to joy in the story. Look back with me at Elizabeth's words, the blessing that she pronounces, verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed. This pronouncement. So the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth in this moment. She pronounces this blessing over Mary. Blessed is she who believed. To fully appreciate the weight of these words, what's happening in the text, and especially what's happening in the heart of Elizabeth, because of everything that she's been through, you have to look back earlier in the text, earlier in the story, earlier in Luke chapter 1. Flip over maybe a page like I have to, or scroll up on the screen a little bit further. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5 which gives us a little bit more of the context of Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, and why there is joy and why this pronouncement of blessing is so significant. Luke 1, verse 5. Luke writes, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him, being Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy, and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Now just stop there with me. So Zechariah is a priest, an aged priest. He's serving before the Lord. As was custom, according to Old Testament, he was chosen to serve in this period of time with his division and then chosen from his division to serve in the temple on that specific day. We're gonna tell the story of Zechariah in, in a later sermon as we look at Zechariah's response later on in Luke. But in this moment, it's just helpful to know the context that there in the midst of serving the Lord, this angel appears and pronounces to Zechariah that as aged as they are, as barren as his wife is, they shall bear a son too. Just as we saw last week with the angel pronouncing to Mary and this weird name, not a family name, you shall name him Jesus. They depart again from tradition. You're going to name him John, not a family name, but John. And the angel says to him, you will have joy and gladness. Now, understanding this, not just joy and gladness, because, hey, she was barren, and now you're going to have a child. And you've been waiting, and you've been praying, and now God has heard you. It's not just joy, because you're finally getting what you'd hoped for. 
The angel goes on. He says, many will rejoice at this child. Why? Because he will be great. The angel is tipping his hat, pointing ahead to the fact that many people would rejoice in the coming of this child because ultimately we learn that John is the herald of Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus, just as a king would come in and have a herald before him going into the city before him to announce the king's presence to those who are waiting. So John the Baptist was that herald to announce the coming king. The angel says, hey, many will rejoice. Many will have joy because the king has finally come. Setting the stage for the joy in the story. But Zechariah has a little trouble with all of this. Pick it up at verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Sidebar, husbands, you do not want to go down in history as having said that your wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which, were fulf- which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah, the priest of God, fails to believe the promise of God. As a result, it's hard not to look at this as punishment from our vantage point, right? It's Proof from God's vantage, as proof to you of my power, you will not speak until these things are fulfilled. Now consider the story. Consider where we were with Elizabeth. Consider now where we are with Zechariah. Many will rejoice. The baby leaps for joy. Led by the Spirit, Elizabeth pronounces this blessing over Mary in contrast to the fact that her husband, who failed to believe, was speechless. Hear again the words of Elizabeth. Luke 1, verse 45. Blessed is she who believed. Context sets such a beautiful backdrop. A priest that struggled to believe and ended up silent for nine months while the child was growing in his wife's womb. And in contrast to this aged priest who had walked with God all of these years, this young teenage girl believes a promise, sight unseen. No baby bump to convince her yet. She just chooses to believe. And Elizabeth says, blessed are you for believing the unseen, for believing that God is able. See, the story isn't just that Jesus would bring joy. The story is that the greatest and truest blessing comes when we believe that God is able. The story is that the greatest and truest blessing and the greatest and truest joy comes when we choose to believe in him. Here's the thing I want you to see. Jesus is absolutely the source of our greatest and our truest joy In the midst of a season that can't guarantee you joy, God can. But the promise and the presence of God comes when you 
believe. It comes when you are willing to place your faith in him. And in contrast to Zachariah who struggles, Mary fully believes. How much greater the joy in this moment. How much greater the blessing for Mary to carry this child. And how much greater the blessing pronounced on her by Elizabeth through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because she carried the baby? No. Because she believed God was able. The greatest and truest joy, the greatest and truest blessing comes when we believe. True joy comes when we place our faith in the promise of God and, and we stop trusting, we stop trusting in performance. Our performance, performance of man. Right, this is the contrast in the scriptures that you're not called to trust in yourself, you're called to trust in God. You're not called to trust in your own work. You're called to trust in God's work. Ultimately, his work through Jesus on the cross. See, it's not our work. It's not our deeds. It's not our goodness. That's not where salvation comes from. It comes from believing that God is able to do what God has said he could do. Imagine, imagine the joy of knowing that you are loved even though God knows everything you've done. Imagine the joy of knowing that even though you're not worthy, through Christ you are accepted. Imagine the joy of knowing that he's not angry with you, but he instead is a loving father who is calling you to come home. Imagine the joy of knowing that all of your debt has been paid through Jesus. You owe nothing. Imagine the joy of knowing that forgiveness and the hope of heaven is freely given to you if you would just repent and believe. And imagine the hope of knowing that your life now is not contingent on your striving and your performance because Jesus has already paid it all. The perfect son of God, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, perfectly paid the debt that he might bring you the joy of God by knowing that your sins are washed away, that there's freedom now in him. Like an animal freed from its reins, like a calf freed from its stall, so too John and so too should we leap for joy at the thought that Jesus, Jesus has freed us from our sins. And it comes when we believe. What do we do with this? What's the takeaway? Each week in the series, giving you a takeaway, we've invited you to follow along our Advent reading guide. If you've been following along as a family, uh, then all week long you've been queued up to read passages and promises about joy, about the coming of Jesus. If you've not been following along, um, it's not too late. Thanksgiving just ended. Maybe you were just waiting for one holiday to close before you started another. Very well. Jump on our mobile site, grab the Advent reading guide, and start reading along with us. We'll queue you up with passages for every day of the week, one family devotional to read together each week. 
All of them are designed to be feeding you the theme that we're studying, the response of the people in the scriptures that we'll be studying each week so that you're primed and you're ready and you've read those passages and you're ready for us to talk about it in a deeper way. So this week we've been talking about joy. We queued you up with family activities uh, in, in the box that we gave you last week. Um, there was the cookie cutter and you were prompted to make cookies cut out with a joy cutter and to talk about joy. And we sat around the family uh, table this week and we talked about joy and, and we reflected on the two questions in the guide and the two questions that I'll give you today. First, where have you seen God bring you joy this past year? The assignment was to write down on a slip of paper to put that in the box so that Christmas morning we might open it up and week after week we have these things that we're holding on to and we would celebrate how Jesus is every good gift. We would celebrate on Christmas morning all that God has done for us. Guess what I wrote on my slip of paper for joy this week? Yeah. Leaky roof, no more. Put it in the box. Christmas morning, my mind will go back to the fact that God is a provider and a deliverer. He brought me great joy. He didn't have to. It's the glory of the gospel. But the second question for the second slip of paper that we want you to reflect on is, where is it that you still need joy? Where is it that your heart is still heavy? What is it that you're still asking God for to bring you joy in what? Maybe a relationship that's strained. Maybe there's a work situation that's just not going well. Maybe it's the reality that in this holiday season, you're not spending it with someone who once was always there. And this is the first year without them. And maybe you're crying out and asking God to, to bring you joy, to help you find joy when it's just harder this year. And that second slip of paper, just write that as a prompt, as a prayer request. And again, each and every week, we're going to give you these prompts. You put it in the box. On Christmas morning, you're going to be prompted with the Advent Guide to take the box out before any of the gifts to, to pull those things out, to see how God, through Jesus, is the deliverer of every good gift and celebrate those. While also then, before opening any other gift, surrendering all those things, fixing your eyes on Jesus once again, and at the end of the Christmas season, I encourage you to pack up the box along with all the Christmas decor. Put it away, the attic, under that leaky roof, wherever. And next season, next Christmas, you pull that back out. And when you get all the Christmas decor down again and you find that box, you'll open it. And our hope and our prayer is that as you open it, you will read and be reminded again of how God has provided for you. And you will see now anew these seeds that you had sown in prayer over a calendar year, the things that God has shown up and the ways that God has provided and answered for you. Because Jesus is the embodiment of every good gift. When we fix our eyes on him, we find the truest and the greatest joy. But the joy can only be found when you believe. Blessed are you because you believed Elizabeth said. The question is, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you believe that God, through Christ, is really able to forgive you? 
Do you believe that God, through Christ, really does love you? Do you believe that God, through Christ, isn't waiting for you to fix you, but instead preempted you, sent Jesus before you even showed up on the scene to die on the cross for you, that you might be restored by his work and his grace, that you might stop your striving and you might rest in the joy that only Jesus can bring. Have you believed that promise, that truth? What better season than this to place your faith in Jesus? What better season than this and what better day than today and right now to fix your eyes on Jesus? Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, Lord, we come to you humbly confessing how prone and tempted we are to fix our eyes on other things, to satisfy us, to bring us joy. Lord, to be waiting on a gift under the tree, to be waiting on relief in some other way, and to forget, Father, that you sent Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that through him we might become the righteousness of God. So, Father, we fix our eyes on you and on your gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us to keep looking to you in this season. Lord, keep us from being distracted by everything that the world is throwing at us. Keep us, God, from the fears that the enemy is throwing at us. Lord, that we would cling to the hope and the belief that you are able because you provided Jesus. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've been looking to other things or, or your own work to satisfy whatever it is you think God needs, is looking for, would you today, stop, would you today put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone? You do so right where you are, in your seat, online. Would you just pray simply? Ask God to forgive you of your sin. Place your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sin. Simple prayers, simple words like these. Father God, I confess I'm in need of your salvation. I confess that I cannot do it on my own. So, Father, today I place my faith and trust in you and you alone. That through Jesus, you've chosen to forgive my sin. You've chosen to adopt me as a son or a daughter in your kingdom. And to cleanse me, God, of all unrighteousness. Father, would you restore me? Would you change me? Would you renew me from the inside out, I pray. And I ask it in Jesus' matchless name. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media or by subscribing to our weekly podcast. You can also stay up to date with the latest information about what's going on here at Northeast by subscribing to the Northeast News. 
our periodic newsletter that comes right to your inbox to keep you in the know. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.